culture. And today we're having, uh, we're going to play for you this interview that I did with Mark earlier today. And uh, we're discussing a trade and how it's uh, can benefit your child or even yourself. So sit back and enjoy this interview. Um, <clears throat> I really don't know how the audio is on this one because tried something a little different. So if it's bad, it's my fault. So forgive me. I'm not a professional, <laughs> but, uh, enjoy this, uh, cause I know you will. And if you live in Russellville, you will certainly enjoy the walk down memory lane. So I'm going to shut up now and I'm going to let this play. Um, so you can enjoy this interview. So everybody I'm shutting up now since I know what to say now. I don't know. Whatever. Let's play it. Click play, you big dummy. This culture, and today we got Mr. Mark with us. Mark, you are a tradesman, am I correct? Yes, sir. Why does every kid need to be doing a trade right now, especially in today's economy? What 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 what's the benefits of a trade? Well, the benefit of a trade is uh, it's like a a career path. It's uh, a lot of people ain't getting into it because they don't want to get their hands dirty anymore. Kids want stuff for free. They want to uh, play video games or whatever, and the trades are dying. So, I mean, there's plenty of jobs in the trades. We're hurting where I work now. We're hurting for machinists. We can't keep help. We can't get nobody to come to work. And so right now, if you get into it, I mean, you're looking at something you could do and retire easily and not ha ever have to worry about whether you can provide for your family or not. What, what does it take to be a machinist? Like what, what do the kids need to do to, to get to, you know, to do a trade? Well, me personally, I got lucky. Uh, I hired in at a machine shop and uh, I started out on the drill press and then I just moved around to different machines in there. And that's, I gained my experience hands-on. I did go to school a few years ago, but I didn't graduate. I still lacked a few semesters to get my machinist degree. But I got lucky and got into it without that. Uh, I mean, I would just tell them to machine shops are always hiring. And a lot of times they don't necessarily want experienced hands. They'll train you because then they can train you to do the way they want it done. And if you get your foot in the door, I'd say jump on it because it's good money. Once you learn the trade, uh, manual machinists can pretty much name his price when he goes places and make whatever he wants. And you don't have to worry about anything. Now, a lot of these kids are spending thousands and hundreds, uh, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars for liberal arts degrees and different things like that. Are are they? Are we just wasting our money, our taxpayer dollars? I think so. I mean, uh, where's that really going to lead? I mean, uh, certain things people get into for a while. You know, you got these fads. You know, the stuff will be big and popular right now but is what that what they're doing going to be able to generate them an income 15 20 years down the road i mean uh, a trade is always going to be there we're always going to need machinists i mean uh i work uh, on valves at a valve company for uh power plants and all i mean and we got to have electricity in the united states so these power plants have got to run so they've got to do their uh, regular maintenance and so all the stuff has to be worked on and there's machining involved when they have to tear it down and do their repairs. When 
these kids get out of high school, they're told you got to go to college. You got you, you, you to go to college to, to get a good job. It's just like, you know, kids back in the 50s. I, I talked to some, some of them that, you know, they were, they were in the 50s. They were told, oh, you got to go, you got to get finish high school to get a good job. And just being honest, most of the people I know that are in that 70s age group, most of them don't even have a high school education, but a lot of them have, you know, a lot of them made six figures in their life. I mean, they, well, not made six <laughs> figures, but, you know, they've got six, some of them's got six figures in their bank accounts. So is the whole thing, is, is, is college, you know, I don't think it's for everybody. I mean, I went there, but it didn't do me any good. Um, I don't think college is for everybody. I mean, uh, certain companies now are requiring it a whole lot more than they used to, but there's still ways around it. I mean, if they can't find somebody with a degree, if you've got the hands-on experience to do that job and they can't find anybody else, they're going to give you a shot. I mean, they've got to have somebody to fill that role. So, I mean, if they can't find somebody with all the accolades that they want to, to fill it, I would say they would go after anybody. I mean, as long as they could do the job. And if you've got hands-on experience, to me, in my opinion, hands-on experience means more than a degree. Yeah, because you've done you it. Learn how to be a machinist from reading a book. Yeah, you have to do it. That's right. And the, the more you do it, the better you get at it. It's kind of like an electrician. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, I know one guy that that he's an electrician, but he never went to college for it. He never went to, you know, any, he never went to a trade school, nothing. He just, it was all on on the job experience. And he worked for uh, Monsanto yeah, and, and a lot of places like that. And I mean, he just, I mean, he named his price. Yeah, electricians make a lot, you know, they make a lot more, but their work is, a lot more dangerous. That's something that I really wasn't interested in. I just don't care nothing about fooling with electricity. Everybody has their own thing, but uh, electricians get paid well out here in the field traveling too. I mean, uh, working at these power plants, they, they make real good money. And if somebody was like interested in being an electrician, I'd say go to the electricians local and I believe it's in uh, Sheffield or Tuscumbia. And uh, I would look into joining the electricians because they send you through a apprenticeship and they train you. Yeah. That that's something the the locals now that that's uh labor unions in Alabama um you know the right to work. Of course uh, I'm pretty sure you've been in a union before. I did I'm, I'm actually still a member of the machinist local. Well, how does uh right to work affect the labor unions? Well, uh, right to work affects them to a certain extent, but if you're working a union job, they can't just run you off for no reason. They've got to have a reason to run you off. And if the, the plan or whatever tries to run you off, then the union will back you to uh, make sure that you're not run off, that your job is safe. As long as you're doing your job the way that they're asking you to do it, they have no reason to get rid of you. The union will, will back you if they try to run you off for no reason. See, I always thought labor unions were a good thing. And there's a lot of people here that are like, oh, no, right to work. But I feel like the reason they're pushing right to work is because, you know, a lot of these major companies, they don't want labor unions because labor unions make them pay a competitive competitive pay. That's right. and, and people like Amazon, Walmart, 
if they had a labor union, which I think they're trying to get one in Amazon, I think it's Huntsville. I think it might be their location for Amazon. It's somewhere close that they're getting, they're trying to get their labor, they're trying to get a labor union, which I mean, I think they deserve it because Amazon, Walmart, I mean, my God, man, they're taking billions of dollars and they're paying their employees peanuts on what they're taking in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of sad, really, when, you know, these kids getting out of school looking for a start and uh, Walmart, McDonald's, Burger King is, you know, a lot, a lot of their first option in order to work while they go to school or whatever, and they just don't really pay enough. I mean, I, I'm not one that thinks that uh, minimum wage should be $15 an hour, but my God, $7.25 ain't enough to take care of yourself, much less if you've got a family. Yeah, I think they should at least raise it. I, I think, you know, 10 bucks an hour, to me, that doesn't sound, you know, crazy because, you know, you, you've got, I mean, if you can't pay a man $10 an hour, what in the world are you doing in business? That's just the way I look right. at it. Well, say so they ain't raised minimum wage since what, the 90s? Yeah, it's been a while. So, I mean, uh, and if you get a job, everybody gets a cost of living raise. And so, I mean, even people drawing unemployment or, I mean, uh, drawing, uh, Minimum wage need a cost of living raise every year because everything goes up. Yeah, I think I, I, you know Alabama. One of the stupidest things I've ever seen is Birmingham tried to raise their minimum wage to ten dollars an hour, I think, and the state sued them over that. And I was like, why are you suing Birmingham? Because you know, can you imagine trying to live in Birmingham off seven dollars and twenty five cents an hour? Yeah, it's especially like you know eight years ago when gas was almost six dollars a gallon. You couldn't even afford to put gas in your car to go to work, much less uh, pay your rent and your power bill and feed your kids. Well, they talk about people laying up on uh, social programs so much, but the reason a lot of those people are on social programs is because, you know, the cost of living so high and we ain't raised the rate of pay and these companies are taking in billions of dollars and nobody's doing anything about it. Yeah, we can't get anybody with a backbone to stand up and do anything. Uh, that, that's got to change. Yeah, it, it really does. That's why, you know, I've been talking about it for a while now, um, ever since, you know, Trump got his defeat or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, one of the things I've been talking about is elect your neighbors in 2022. Stop electing these people that have been there for 20 years. Vote for the guy down the street instead of the guy who's wearing a suit and went to law school and has been trained to lie to you. Yeah, it's like our incoming president. He's been in in Washington, D.C. for 47 years. Now, that's way too long for somebody to have that much power. Yeah, and Kamala, everybody talks about her, that she's going to do this and she's going to do that and she's going to be the most active vice president in American <laughs> history. Kamala, she, I mean, my God, she, she put more black people in jail for marijuana in California and I, you know, I, I just don't see how they think that it's going to get any better with them because they've been promising everybody everything for the past 40 years, Kamala for the past, I don't know, 30 years, 20 years, something like that. And they never do what they say they're going to do. I mean, that's why I like Trump so much was because Donald Trump was the first guy that ever said, okay, I'm going to build a wall. And then, you know, six months later, he's building a freaking wall. So, yeah. yeah. And see, Kamala Harris, where she lost me was when she wanted to model the United States after California. Yeah. Uh, California is, is 
sad right now. You got homeless people lying in the streets in Nancy Pelosi's district using the bathroom in the roads. And I mean, something's got to be done there. And if that's the model that they want the United States to be, then we're going to be an asshole country like Trump called, you know, some of them countries that need help. And uh, it's not our place really to uh, take care of everybody. Um, there's a guy out in San Diego, California right now by the name of Nathan Fletcher. And I know somebody who lives out in San Diego and, you know, they're, they're wanting to, uh, recall Gavin Newsom out there because he's destroyed that state. And, uh, he's apparently from the guy I know out in San Diego, he says that, um, that Nathan Fletcher, the county manager out there in San Diego, is calling anybody who wants to recall Gavin Newsom a neo-Nazi. So, yeah, they want to they want to point fingers and, and uh, call names when you're against them. But if you're for them, you know you're you're great. I mean, you could be the exact same person if they changed and decided that oh, we're gonna be for him now. They're he's great. And they'll hug up to him. You know, it's like all this uh, stuff that happened in the Capitol. I mean, I, I no way condone what happened at the Capitol, but Donald Trump did not incite that. He told them to peacefully go up there and let their voices be heard. And when he said fight like H-E double hockey sticks, he was not saying oh, to go up say, there and fight the police. We, we can say hell. We can get away with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> But, uh, I mean, he, he wasn't telling them to go up there and fight the police because anybody that knows Donald Trump supporters, they've never fought the police. They respect the law enforcement. And all that that happened up there at the Capitol, 90% of it was not Trump supporters that was in there. Some of them probably went in there and got mixed up in something they shouldn't have been. But uh, I, don't, I don't condone what happened there, but I don't think it was all Trump supporters that was in there doing the rioting. And then you got all this that happened during the summer, and the Democrats condoned that. Yeah. Maxine Waters standing up there telling people to, to fight the Trump supporters and kick them out of businesses. Tell them you're not welcome here. Yeah, she's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, yeah, to put it nicely. Did you see that interview that I had, I think it was two days ago now, with a guy named Alex? He was the vendor. Yes, I seen that. Yeah, he said that, uh, he said that, you know, and he's not the only one. He said he's seen this with his own eyes, and if there was video of it, that they were uh, police escorts of these big white buses that just put these people up at the front of the Capitol and let them out. So he, he said that that was, you know, highly suspicious to him, which is highly suspicious to me, too. I would like to know who, who were those people and why did they get to, you know, why, why were they getting police escorted into the Capitol? Well, they, somebody on the inside opened them doors and let people in the Capitol. They didn't bust that door down. And Capitol security, you know as well as I do, that is probably the most uh, secure building in the United States other than the White House. And you're not just going to get in there just because you want to get in there. I mean, you, there's got to be some kind of help from the inside. Oh, yeah. that's You know, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. I said, you know, if you – if you really wanted to do some damage, all you had to do was have a couple bald dudes with uh, with suits on and fake Secret Service badges, and then they could have got in there and they really could have done some damage. But, I mean, you know, if that was really Capitol Police, Capitol Police, there was nobody on the inside and that was just their failure, then I would fire every one of them. 
Well, say Nancy Pelosi is actually in charge of capital security. And from what I've heard, she was, uh, she got requests for, uh, because they had thought something like this might happen. So she had gotten requests for, to have military backup and she turned them down. I mean, anytime you're going to have a million people in the Capitol, uh, or, or, you know, at the Capitol, I mean, my God, you know, you, you should have probably have the national guard there because that, a million people. Yeah. I mean, people. There, was, there was thousands of Trump supporters there and 99% of them never even stepped foot on the Capitol. So you can't tell me it was all Trump supporters that done all the writing in there. That's yeah. not Trump supporters MO. I mean, they don't do that. Well, this one guy said that, that Alex guy said that when they got to the Capitol, he estimates that it was a hundred thousand people there. So if there was a million people in attendance and a hundred thousand people, you know, showed up to the to the went that marched to the Capitol, that's a big discrepancy of wh where did all where did the other nine hundred thousand people go? Did they just leave? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of people to be up there in the capital city. So I mean, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't condone what happened, but. They're blaming uh, Donald Trump, and President Trump did not incite that. Well, there's FBI, CNN, CNN came out last night with a correction and said that, you know, that they had intel two days before that that this was going to happen. So th this, is, this, this is one of the biggest, I mean, just being honest here, this is one of the biggest security breaches it, since 9-11. I mean, th this is, you know. Well, they want to act like it's something horrible. I mean, uh, the people of the United States, yeah, this, this is our country. I mean, it ain't like stuff like this hadn't happened before. I mean, you had the Boston Tea Party. I mean, uh, they just got tired of being taxed. And so, I mean, yeah. if you push the people to the to the breaking point, the people are eventually going to stand up. Yeah. Yeah, and see, they, and they're, that's they're this, doing... That's what this country was founded on, was the people. The people run this country. They work for us, and they don't understand that anymore. The government up there in Washington thinks that we work for them, and that's not the way the Constitution was written. Yeah, they, they've they got a bad problem with that, thinking that, you know... And, and, you know, there's a guy out there right now, I've reached out to him, trying to get him on the show. His name's Tim Poole. I don't know if you've ever seen him before. Uh, he's a liberal, but Tim Poole is a liberal with common sense. Like he's one of those people that he could be a, you know, a Democrat from California and I could be a Republican from Georgia or whatever. And, you know, we would be able to sit down and get stuff done because, you know, he's one of those people that he's got common <laughs> sense. So I'm trying to get him on the show. There's a few with common sense. I mean, most of the liberals I talk to, I mean, I, I cannot get into their frame of mind. Um, especially why you want to get rid of a man that is doing nothing but great for you and our country. I mean, our country made a huge turnaround and all this racial bias that was started, uh, it didn't start under Donald Trump. That all started under Obama. And Obama pushed that, told them they had a right to fight the police. You've got a right to go out here and, and kill police. I mean, pretty much condoned what they was doing. And so, I mean, all that BLM started under Obama. None of that started under President Trump. It just came back to life. Well, if you want to get technical here, Obama, during the Baltimore protests, uh, when, when they were having the riot in Baltimore, uh, Obama called them a bunch of thugs and domestic terrorists. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there, there's Democrats out there that eat this stuff up. They love it. They love this division. And there's Republicans too, man. Some of these Republicans are trash.
Oh yeah, yeah. I, me personally, I don't consider myself Republican nor Democrat. Uh, if I think a Democrat is better for the country, I'll vote Democrat. I I vote for what they I listen to what they stand on. I don't listen to what party they're in. You know, I, I listen to their platform and their policies and what they say they're going to do for the good of the country. And if I think they're the better man, they get my vote. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard, when she was running this time, I really thought that, you know, if you're wanting to beat Trump, I thought that's who they would have put up. Uh, I, I liked her. Yeah, she she's a veteran. She's smart. She's pro-labor yeah. union. Uh, she's, you know, she she killed Kamala Harris's campaign. She ended oh, yeah. her. She, she tore Kamala Harris up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's talk more about this machinist stuff. How... Yeah, but- how sidetracked <laughs> <laughs> uh okay now uh, all of these all of these kids that are in high school right now a lot of them a lot of these high schools are offering the opportunity to learn trades in high school now with welding classes and stuff like that if you had a son 14 15 years old what would you be telling him right now uh well i would tell him to go with his heart and uh do what he enjoys doing because you don't want to have to get up and go to work every day to a job you hate. Yeah. <clears throat> and when I took machine shop in college, for my minor, I had to do welding. At the time, that's all they offered was welding. So I had to do a semester of welding. And I passed it with A's and B's. I mean, I flew through there. The instructor begged me to take welding. He said, you're doing better than the guys that are actually taking welding. And I told him, I said, well, I, I don't enjoy welding. I hate welding. And I said, I'm not going to get up and go to work every day and hate what I do because then that's just going to be detrimental to you and your career. Yeah. And so I would tell the kids, you know, if you think you enjoy welding, try it. Welders make uh, make good money and we've got to have them. I mean, they're, they're hard to find too. It's hard because people don't want to do it because it's hot. And uh, so, I mean, if you enjoy welding, jump on it. If you enjoy diesel mechanics, jump on it. Uh, I know uh, some of the schools in uh, Colbert County even offer machine shop now as uh, in, in their trade schools. So, I mean, it, go with what you think you're going to enjoy getting up and going to work, something that you ain't going to hate going to work. That way you can get up and support your family and uh, do it and enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, if, if one of these kids, you know, there's a lot of these parents that are pushing these kids, you know, to go to college, go to college. And some of these kids do like some of the stuff that they're doing in school when it comes to, you know, auto body work or, or something like that. You know, they're, you know, just because your kid doesn't want a four year degree from some university that he's never going to use, um, you know, don't push them to go. Let them kids do what they want to do, because I think, you know, the trade industry provides a, a not just a decent living it you know it it really makes the middle class the the middle class is pretty much built on people in the trade industry and the country was built on middle class workers <clears throat> built by middle class workers and uh yeah i mean and if if it was my kid i'd tell them to try it all you know go in there and you've got three or four years in high school that you take trade school you know go take uh Diesel mechanics one year, if you decide you don't like it, the next year, take carpentry. If you don't like that, jump out and take welding. If you don't like that, jump out and take machine shop or auto body. I mean, do what you think you're going to enjoy. That way, you know, you can find where your heart is because everybody don't enjoy the same thing. Yeah. 
that's uh, you know that's uh, that's one of the things that you know these parents need to understand too is that you know these kids need to take every opportunity because when i was in high school we didn't have auto body we didn't have uh weld and you know we, we didn't have that opportunity in high school now i wish we had that opportunity because there's no telling how many kids of my generation that you know they they had to go to college and they had to take a two-year degree because that was the only way they could do it well see i went to belgrade and see we had the vocational school there so we had auto body uh diesel mechanics uh carpentry and welding that you could uh choose from and I went in diesel mechanics because my dad is a diesel mechanic and I always enjoyed getting my hands dirty. And that's what, you know, getting my hands on stuff and fixing stuff. That's what got me into being a machinist. I just finally found, branched off and found the part that I like doing. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I, how long have you been a machinist? Uh, I started at a uh, machine shop in Muscle Shoals, Alabama in uh, 1996 working on the drill press. 24 years. And, 25 uh, years. This is your this is your 25th year, man. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't be happier with my decision to, to go and apply for that position and uh, to get that job because it's it's brought me to where I am today. That's good. And, uh, I'm not working a union job now. Like I said, I'm a member of a union. The particular job that I'm at now is not union, but the benefits are better than uh, the union hall. The machinist local that we've got back home needs some fine tuning. I mean, <coughs> they don't take care of their members like other unions do. Yeah. And, uh, right now, if you join the one in Sheffield, they only work with TVA pretty much. I mean, you don't get to branch out like uh, the laborers union. They go to Toyota, they go other places. They don't just strictly work TVA. Machinists only work TVA jobs and TVA ain't all it is. And so, I mean, I, I got out of it and I've got better insurance. Uh, the company I work for now, they pay my rental car. <coughs> when I come to work, They'll either fly me up here or I get a rental car. I usually rent a car and drive because I can drive up here quicker than I can fly with the layovers through Atlanta. But uh, they pay our rental car. We turn in our receipts and they reimburse us for our gas. Our hotel is already booked when we get here. They pay for that. And then uh, they give us $385 a week per diem. And that's what we live on. And then I make uh, $32 an hour while I'm working. So God almighty. So, I mean, any kid that wants to you know, get in it, and I'm not even at the at the top. I mean, uh, there's there's places that pay more. I mean, I, I work for one company that uh, <coughs> me and a buddy of mine went out in the field doing field work, and there was several weeks we brought home over four thousand dollars on our on our check, bring home. So I mean, there's companies that pay more. It's just you have to travel more. There, you know, you might not get to work as much because it'll be seasonal, which. I'm seasonal with this company, but I'm an actual company employee. It's kind of like being a TVA employee. So I get called out to work before they bring contractors in. Oh, man, that, 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 uh, that, that 32 an hour is a whole lot more than the 725. Oh yeah. Definitely. I mean, uh, the good Lord's really blessed me in my life as far as, you know, my, my work, my family and all that. So, I mean, I, I, I really have to give him credit for where I'm at. 
he kind of led me to be where I'm at. So, I mean, I'm not 100% here because of me. You know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have the job I got. So, yeah. Hey, since you brought up family, let me ask you about something real quick. Yes, sir. Now, you wrote a song called My Grandpa, and you used to sing a lot, right? Yes, sir. I used to, well, I mean, I would, uh, I used, I sung karaoke contests, and I'd go to, you know, local clubs and all, Friday and Saturday night, sang karaoke. I sung some in church. And uh, I've won a few karaoke contests. Uh, I auditioned for Nashville Star one year. Uh, I auditioned for The Voice one year. And uh, yeah, I wrote this song about my grandpa. My grandpa was, I don't know, he was kind of like a second dad to me. I mean, when we got off the school bus, if we had any books, you know, back in my day, I didn't bring books home. And uh, But if I did have any, we would slang them on the couch or whatever and go through the house and out the back door and we had a trail through the woods to Papa's house. And that's <laughs> where we stayed until mama made us come home after dark. And then on the weekends, we was up there helping him in the fields or hauling wood. You know, we had wood heat, so we had to haul wood during the fall. And, you know, we was just always with him. And so he was a, a big influence on my life. And so I wrote this song and every single word of this song is from the heart. That's good. If anybody wants to listen to that song, how do they listen to it? Uh, well, I have it posted on my Facebook. And uh, so, I mean, they can go through my Facebook and I don't know how you search that, but uh, I will update it. And well, right now I'm in Facebook jail, so I can't post nothing right now, but. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Let me see. I can try something real quick. If you have access to play it, I give you permission to play it so people can hear it. Uh, if you're going to give me permission to play it, we got it live on recording. So, All right. You have my permission to play it. So, I mean, if people want to hear it, play it. We play that much of it, they shouldn't give me any heck for it. So, uh oh, I lost you somewhere. Oh, you, yeah, I can still hear you. 
Okay. Uh, if uh, if I play that much of it, they shouldn't they shouldn't give me any problems with that. So. But, but yeah, that was that, that my grandpa. Now you wrote that song, right? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Kicks ninety six has a uh, deal where they bring songwriters in to Muscle Shows that they call Muscle Shows to Music Row Live. Yeah. And uh, at the time it was uh, at the hotel. Now they do it at the Marriott. But uh, and I went up there, and that night, the the person that wrote Daddy's Hands was there. And when they oh, sung, man. when they sung that song, it started words started flowing. And usually after the show, uh, me and Dale Nix, he's the one that actually got me to start going. And uh, we would always hang out and go. Uh, they, they had a, a hotel room there at the hotel and the artists that was there would go up <coughs> and Kicks 96 would go up and they would play more and hang out and, you know, drink, drink a beer or whatever and hang out and play more music in the hotel room. And so we knew the DJs and the owner of Kicks 96 and so we would go up with them. Well, that night I told Dale, I said, we can't go. I said, I've got to go. I've got words in my head. I got to go home. And so that night we didn't go and he took me home and I lived in uh, in Russellville, and I started writing when I got home, and I was sitting on my front porch when the sun come up the next morning and had finished the words of that song. So, I mean, I, I wrote it from the time we got home, I'd say about, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock until about 7 a.m. the next morning, I wrote that song. Huh. Now, you talk about Dale Nix, man. That's a name I hadn't heard in a while. I used to, <laughs> Dale used to come to my house all the time, man. He was a character. He was a character. I, I thought the world of him. Yeah, he he had called me the night before he had died, and he told me he said, "I'll see you tomorrow, buddy." And he was calling to tell me to tell my little girl happy birthday, and he just never tomorrow never came for him. Yeah, that's, that, that was sad. It, it kind of hit me hard when we lost him. Oh yeah, my mama and him were close too. But you know, a lot a good of good guy. Yeah, he was. He went to school with your mama, didn't he? Uh, no, they didn't go to school together. He went to, uh, I think, Phil Campbell. Oh, okay. And my mama, you know, my mama, I think they, I think, I think they all started hanging out from uh, meeting up down there. Now, a lot of people that don't know that Russellville used to have a thing called the Strip. Oh, yeah, back in the day, I remember that. <laughs> Everybody used to ride that thing. And, I mean, when I was a teenager, of course, they'd done away with it because, you know, but well, see, I was talking about kids these days, and uh, that that was the biggest mistake that I think ever happened in Russell, Alabama, was shutting the strip down. Because oh, yeah. now these days, parents don't know where their kids are when they leave and go out. You don't know where they're at and what they're doing. Back in my day, if my mom and daddy wanted to find me, all they had to do is go downtown Russell on the strip, and they would eventually see me drive by. <laughs> hey, you know, that's one of the things, too. The mayor we got down there keeps talking about revitalizing downtown. Well, if you want to revitalize downtown, just bring back the strip. They'll be busy. Well, they, they, they attempted that, but there's a whole generation that didn't have that. And so they don't know what it is. And it, I think it's going to be harder to start back than than you think it would be because, you know, we, we don't have a whole generation that skipped it that didn't have that opportunity to do that. And so they, they don't understand what it was. Yeah. We had people driving from Tennessee down. I mean, uh, it would be lying from the end to end. I mean, uh, 
I don't know. I, I just enjoyed it. I mean, you see all kind of people. There was fights. I mean, uh, anything you wanted to see was happening down there. Boyfriend, girlfriend, drama. <laughs> it was Mardi Gras every Friday night in Russellville, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, Friday and Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every weekend was Mardi Gras here. Uh, and even some people would come on Sundays. There wouldn't be as big a crowd on Sunday, but there would be some that, you know, back then you could ride through McFarland. And so Sunday, that was a big thing to go to McFarland and ride through there. And uh, then Sunday night, you go to Russell, and it's maybe a quarter of the crowd that was there on uh, Friday and Saturday. But Friday and Saturday, all the parking lots was full. They was parked all the way down the road, and then the strip was backed up. You had to wait. I mean, it was a, a slow trip from one end of the town to the other. Oh yeah, they you know they all from uh, big where Big Star is now all the way up to the I think they call it the Macintosh House or whatever they call it that big white house is on Jackson. It was Domino's Pizza right down there back. Yep, <laughs> it was it was when I was too. It was uh, Domino's and then Domino's closed down. They opened Five Star Pizza. A lot of people don't even yeah, remember Five that. Star. Yeah, I remember that. They wasn't yeah. as good as Domino's. <laughs> no, Five Star. It didn't last that long either. It was like two years, three years, something like that. It wasn't long. It was gone. And now they've got a finance company in there. <laughs> yeah, you'd be riding down there, and then you'd go. That's back when we had Hardee's in Russell, and that's where yep. the bathroom was. Everybody go to Hardee's to go to the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> um, the Hardee's used to be, for a lot of people who don't remember this now, Hardee's used to be up there where the, the O'Reilly Auto Parts building is, too. Yep. That used to be Hardee's. Hardee's had a huge, like a, they had a pretty big business in Rossport one time. Yeah, uh, Hardee's was the place to go there for a while, but it went downhill in the final years there before they tore it down. I mean, they, they really needed to build another building and update, and I guess they didn't want to is the reason it shut down. Well, you know, they updated the Taco Bell. Yeah, they updated. I went to the new Taco Bell, and they diminished their menu. Everything I liked on the menu is not yeah. there anymore, and I don't understand why they want to take. Mexican pizza has always been on their menu. Why you want to take that off? Everybody loves the Mexican pizza. Every, every, that's the biggest complaint I get talk, uh, against Taco Bell. Yeah. Everybody I mean, says the Mexican pizza. That was my favorite thing. And uh, the Mexi Melt was my go-to thing. And they took it off. And, and uh, so I was stuck with just the Mexican pizza. But uh, now they've took it off. And you can't get that. So I don't know. I, I've heard rumors about what's going in the old uh, Taco Bell building. But I don't know for sure. Um, you know, Speedy Pig, uh, a local town favorite that's been here for, God, I don't know, 40 years, something like that. Uh, Speedy Pig has shut its doors. So Speedy Pig is gone. Yeah, they're getting a 306 barbecue there. Yeah. Uh, th there's some people talking like Arby's is going into the old Taco Bell <coughs> building, but I. I yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I heard was Arby's. So. I don't know. I'll ask. I'll ask. <laughs> I don't know if they'll tell me. One time, one time somebody texted me and we was talking about the Speedy Pig building. And he goes, I, I, you know, I got a new bit. There's new business coming to town. I just can't tell you what it is yet. I said, Oh, you're talking about the 306 barbecue grill that's coming in. And he, he never responded. I, I know, I know they think sometimes, how does this guy get information sometimes? <laughs> but hey, yeah. Matt. Um, if you were going, if you were starting over, if you had your life to do over right now, would you still go into a trade? 
if I had it all to do over again, I would start my machinist journey a whole lot sooner than I did. I would still go into a trade. I think a trade is the way to go in my book. I mean, uh, college is good for some, like, you know, but I'm, that, that's not my personal choice. You know, I never was really that great at school. I mean, I made good grades in uh, grade school, but when I got up to high school, I had other things on my mind. And uh, so a trade keeps me focused. You know, you, you're not always doing the exact same thing. You're making something different every day when you're a machinist. Uh, you know, you may have a routine thing where you got to make three or four of this part, but for what I do, I don't usually don't do the same thing every day. And so it's a learning experience every day when you go to work and, uh, and I love it. Yeah. Well, Hey man, is there anything you want to leave people with anything you want to leave a kid that might listen to this, that, that thinking about a trade, is there anything you want to leave them with? I would say follow your heart, uh, trust in God, and always love your family and support your family, and your family will support you through your journey in life. And if you make mistakes, don't, don't let that stop your journey. That's just a stumbling block. Get up. And, and keep going and eventually you will find your path in life and you will be able to uh, make your mark in this life that God has given you. And uh, everybody don't have the same path. So, I mean, sometimes you can't listen to mom and dad. You know, mom and dad may want you to play football. They may want you to do this, but I mean, follow your heart. Do what you think is best for you and you will succeed in life. Good words, man. Good words. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed Mr. Mark on the show today. Mark, hey, man, I want to thank you for coming on, and I enjoyed that listening to that song, and maybe we can get that thing on Apple or something where people can download that. Yeah, that would be nice, and uh, I, I appreciate you having me on and playing my song. I mean, uh, I always like listening to it because, I mean, it, it makes me remember my grandpa, so... Well, I appreciate it. I'm sure everybody else is going to appreciate, you know, getting to hear from you today. And I'll get this up where people can hear it and you can share it out and anybody can listen. I can't share it right now. I'm in Facebook jail. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonder I'm not in Facebook jail for that video I just posted the other day. I've been waiting on it. I got 15 more days and I'll be clear. I was uh, in, I was in uh, Facebook jail for 30 days. So. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm well, halfway through my sentence oh well hey everybody this has been another episode of coming this culture mark one more time i want to thank you for coming on and talking to everybody today thank you for having me and god bless all right everybody this has been an episode of coming this culture and just remember it ain't controversial just culture